It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now, here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam, AAA Adams. And today, Jason J. Lou Lewis is not on the show. He's recording another podcast simultaneously. Uh, so I can't wait to hear that one. I am joined, however, with two amazing guests. Today, I'm joined with Yona Wise and Chuck Tober, and we're going to talk about cost segregation. That's right, cost segregation, not something that we talk about on the show enough because it will save you a lot of money. And before we get started, um, Yona, Chuck, you're both real estate investors. Is that right? Yeah. Yes, that's correct. That's what I thought. So, Yona, before we get started with all the Q&A, can you tell me how, how did you get started? in real estate investing. Thanks, Adam. First of all, really excited to be on this podcast. Um, you know, I love the other ones you've done, so I just want to preface with that. Uh, I'm more of a beginner in the real estate world. My, I got involved a little bit about seven years ago when my parents were investing in a few real estate deals, and I myself worked as a commercial mortgage broker and then got my real estate broker license and was working in order to find deals off market. Sorry to interrupt you. Tell me a little bit more about your parents and how they got start how what they were doing in real estate. They invested pretty boring some single family okay. houses and that they were, you know, had a management company managing okay. them out of state. They live in California and their houses are in Nevada. Okay, got it. Got it. And uh, Yona, you also did some fix and flips, is that right? Uh, right. I, I partnered with a good friend of mine, a longtime friend of mine, and did a few fix and flips where we actually had an inside, an inside man in the sheriff's auction. I'm not going to say which one, mm-hmm. but he was able to get, uh, since he'd been do, doing fix and flips for 20 years or so, he was able to get properties before they actually went to the auction. So he got uh, whatever, you know, however many wow. he wanted, which he usually took about 10 a month for himself. Wow. And we were able to get about five deals from him over the course of uh, about 18 months. Wow. Five, de- five deals in 18 months uh, from an inside connection. That's kind of cool. Uh, I like that. And we also have Chuck Tober on the, on the show. I mentioned that in the beginning. But Chuck, uh, tell us a little bit more about your background. Sure. Well, thank you, Adam. Again, very exciting to, to be on this. Um, I'm a CPA by background. And I had a lot of clients who were active in real estate. So I've participated in some of their deals and I've been involved in creating and structuring a lot of real estate transactions from syndications or joint ventures or uh, lender deals, a lot of seller finance. We, you know, I was involved in a couple in a situation where we actually bought a, a, a master lease. It was a hundred, it was a 90 something year old master lease. Wow. And, and we ended up buying the fee estate out in that. We've done that on three separate occasions. And so being involved in just kind of creatively coming up with some, with some deal structures to make some of this stuff work mm-hmm. and, um, and participating along the way with a lot of my clients who are, are able to find, find these deals and I can get involved by helping structure them and manage them as they go on and handle them when they get sold and handle problems as they come up. Chuck, I really like that you were able to partner with other people and add value to what they were doing with your skills. Uh, that's a really creative way to get into real estate. You mentioned also, you mentioned master lease. 
Would you mind kind of going in, give us maybe a quick definition of, of what is a master lease for any listener who might be wondering that? Um, okay, well, in this particular situation, in general, it's where one person leases a property, usually a building, and the current owner of it doesn't really have the money or time or interest to fix the building up and get tenants mm-hmm. uh, and get higher rent. It isn't the same. What, what we can do in a master lease situation is we'll make a deal with the owner where we'll rent it in its as-is condition. Okay. And let's say in its as-is condition, and I'm, I'm from Los Angeles, so when I talk about like per foot, I talk on per foot per month basis. Uh, I know the rest of the country does per foot per year. But where, okay, so I can maybe rent this for 50 cents a foot per month, and then we put money in, remodel it, really fix it up, and then we can charge maybe $3 a foot or three fifty a foot for the rent that we can keep that difference. And hopefully over the term of the master lease, we recapture our investment and get a good return on the money. So it's a little different than a standard real estate deal, but that's, that's kind of what a master lease can be. And then what we've done is in those master lease situations is we'll then go back to the guy who owns that, that we're paying the 50 cents to. Mm-hmm. And usually master leases are long. I've been involved in three that were 99 year leases. Um, so we'll go to them with there's maybe 20 years left on the lease and say, you know, you're getting very little money right now. We'll buy your position out so you can get a nice chunk of money right now, not wait 20 years when you can get all the higher rent. And most of the time, they're pretty motivated to do that. So we've, we've been successful. We, we get into the deal pretty cheap, we basically leverage the acquisition of the deal through the master lease. So we're not buying the land and all that kind of stuff. So then when the property's cash flowing, then we can basically, you know, finance a buyout of the landlord through the cash flow we've created in the master lease. Oh, so you guys aren't starting the master lease. There's already a master lease in place for you and you're just purchasing the position. Yeah, that's generally been, we've done straight okay. master leases where we'll just, we'll create the master lease. Okay. Um, uh, we've done both. Okay. So it sounds like when you're doing the master lease, it's not cash flowing at all. Usually it's vacant. It's vacant. Okay. Yeah, usually it's vacant or very cheap. Yeah. Usually it's a vacant building. So the, okay. So that's where the kind of the risk is, so to speak. Chuck, thank you for going into that. I really appreciate it. So Yona and uh, Chuck, what is the definition? I'll give this to you, Yona. What's the definition of cost seg? Uh, yeah. So Matt, so cost segregation is an amazing strategy. And Adam, we spoke about this uh, a few weeks back and you, you tend to know a little bit, but for the listeners who don't, cost segregation is a way to accelerate the depreciation on, the, on your building for your income taxes. What that means is when you own a building, when you own a property, you have the IRS gives you a gift. They say, hey, we like you. You're, you're uh, giving back to our economy by owning property. So you can make an extra deduction on your income taxes called depreciation, which some refer to as a phantom deduction because it really doesn't exist. Your building's actually not decaying or depreciating as the bank will appraise the depreciation on the building. Totally different. Has nothing to do with the actual life because when you buy a property, that's day one when the depreciation starts over. So if you buy a 90-year-old building and has never been, had any renovations whatsoever, when you buy it, the depreciation starts over from day one as if now you, yeah. So now you have, if it's a commercial property, 39 years to depreciate that building. Um, If it's a residential property, multifamily or what have you, it's 27 and a half years, which means you can take one fraction 
of that 39 or 27 and a half um, and deduct that amount from the cost of the building minus land every year on your for the next 39 years. And, you know, we should point out that um, you said minus the land, but I have heard that if you have land improvements, that those can be, um, can be part of the cost segregation study. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and what Jonas said is correct in that when we, the concept of, part of the concept of the theory of depreciation is that when you have this building, it's, it will, in a sense, wear out over time. So that's where that, but you, you can't deduct all of that in one year. You have the, uh, the internal revenue code dictates the, what they call the useful life. And it's just, it's literally just dictated. So for multifamily, 27 and a half, and for commercial, 39. And what, what cost segregation does is it's an engineering-based study, and we can get, I'll just can go to that a little bit, where the engineer identifies a certain part of the property and says, you know what? part of this part of the property really isn't 39 year, it's really five year. So that allows us to reclassify some of those assets and get, you know, only depreciate them over five years. So depreciation expense, as you mentioned, is a tax deduction. And if I can take a portion of the property um, and depreciate that portion over only five years, I'll get a much higher depreciation expense in those early years. Absolutely. So, Let's say you have a property that's you know, $3 million mm-hmm. um, and maybe you have 20% to the land. So you'd have, let's say, $600,000 to the land. So let's say you're using an apartment building. Okay. okay. So if you were to depreciate that, you know, you'd have $2.4 million of what they call a depreciable basis, okay, because you can't depreciate the land. I'll lead into that in a second. And you divide that by the 27 and a half year life. That would give you $87,000 in depreciation expense per year for the next 27 and a half years. Under cost segregation, we're going to say, you know, we can identify a certain component of those assets that are really depreciable over five years, okay? And another component on land improvements, which is 15 years. So let's say I can say, you know, maybe 20% of those, of the assets are really five-year assets. So of that, you know, 2.4 million, 20% or 480,000 would be five-year property. I can depreciate that component over five years. So if I take that over five, take the 480 divided by five years, that's almost $100,000 a year. So that's 96, just for that component. So what you're saying is that, you know, you would normally be doing uh, 80,000 a year as, uh, as a write-off, but for the first five years, you're doing that 80, Plus, you're doing an additional 90, so a little bit more than double. Let's, let me give you a exactly. example. Um, and then, so I could take that 2.4 million, depreciate it over 27 and a half years, okay? That would give me that $87,000 a year, okay? Now, if I, in the cost segregation, let's say, you know what? We can, we'll say, just for purposes of illustration, 20% of that is, um, 20% of that is five-year kind of property. And in general, we talk about five-year property, it's maybe the cabinets and carpeting and you know, television outlets and um, window treatments, uh, all kinds of stuff that's, that's much more portable. That really, really ha- that was only good for five years. In a, in a multifamily situation, you might have your, all your washers and dryers, all that kind of stuff. So let's say right. 20% of the depreciable basis is, would be 480000 
So I'd get 96,000 a year of depreciation on that. And then let's say another 12% is what we call land improvements. And Adam, you hit on it correctly. Land improvements are usually exterior kind of stuff, paving on a parking lot, uh, landscaping, uh, certain kinds of curbing, sidewalks, that kind of stuff. That all qualifies. So if I, if I allocate another 12% to the 15-year property, I would take 288000 divide that by 15 years, that would give me about 19000 And then whatever's left, I would depreciate over 27 and a half years. So what's left is a million six thirty-two. So <laughs> I would basically generate through cost segregation for the first five years of the ownership of this property, $174,000 a year in depreciation as opposed to $87,000 a year in depreciation. So I'm getting almost double the depreciation in those first five years. Wow. So, awesome. you know, if you guys understand depreciation, you're, you know, your listeners understand depreciation and the benefits, the tax impact on that is huge. That's a, that's a real tax savings. Let me interrupt you and just ask, why would anyone want to depreciate a building? Uh, number one, depreciation sounds like a bad thing. Maybe you only want appreciation. But yeah, get us, give, go into some detail, maybe you, Yona, on um, why would somebody want to depreciate a building? And one of my colleagues likes to say that I gave it this name, you know, to steer people away from doing it because it's such a good opportunity, a good strategy. They don't want people to all, everyone to take advantage of it, which, you know, tongue in cheek all aside. But the truth of the matter is a lot of people are kind of steered away by that funny name. But depreciation, like you've touched on, Adam, whether a person wants to or not, you have to claim depreciation on your property. Uh, if you own a property. And if you don't, then the IRS will get it back from you uh, when you go and sell the property as if you did. And that's something we'll maybe touch on a little bit later about the recapture tax. But yeah, depreciation, you know, I'm with you, Adam. I, I prefer appreciation. And, you know, I do appreciate you for having us on here. And, uh, you know, appreciate Chuck for joining us as well. Give his uh, incredible knowledge and technical knowledge. But um, it's a tax benefit if you own a property. The IRS says, hey, take this extra deduction so you can continue investing in our economy. Yona, before you told me that um, just a couple of years ago, I never really uh, knew that you would pay the taxes anyway. So Yona, how do you get a cost segregation uh, study done? Like, How much does it cost? What are the steps toward getting there? It does uh, a cost segregation study. You would approach a firm like ours or a number of the large accounting firms in the country, the big four, et cetera. They'll have engineers on staff hmm. in order to do this. Um, okay. If you're not privileged to have one of the accounting firms as your accounting firm, you'll turn to um, a firm like ours. We, we have uh, a, a team of 12 in-house engineers full-time on staff, and we are... Uh, accountants like Chuck and, and others who are analyzing all of the details and we'll go ahead and send an engineer to survey the property. Like Chuck said, they'll break down every detail of the property to its elements, either five-year property, which is classified as personal property or tangible property, those things like Chuck mentioned. And the other second category is 15-year property, which is land improvements. So like we touched upon landscaping, pavement, things like that. And the third category would be the building structure. And the engineer, by doing that, he now takes the tax code, which has, has detailed 
um, specifications to all of these types of property and what category it falls into. And so okay. therefore, you know, sourcing it to the code, he'll prepare a, a detailed study mm -hmm. to then s submit uh, together with your depreciation schedule on your tax returns. Understood. Makes total sense. So, Yona, would you say that for the listener that all of these benefits outweigh the cost of the cost, <laughs> the cost of the cost segregation study? You betcha. And if, if it's not, we're not going to do it okay, because okay. we don't want, we don't want anyone to, you know, spend money where they're not going to see a huge return. And I'll just take a couple examples. You know, I just uh, had something yesterday um, that I spoke about, uh, which was that a client of ours purchased a large office building mm. um, in Indianapolis uh, amongst a, a bunch of other properties. But this in particular property, we, we charged him around, it was a $10 million building. Okay. So we're talking about, um, you know, over a hundred thousand square feet. There's a big, pretty big office building. And, you know, for the, that study, our scope of work, we charged him around $6,000 for that type of uh, study. And yeah. the returns that he was getting on that property alone was over the next five years, he'll be seeing over $1 million of additional depreciation. But even for yeah. the smaller investor, right? you know, that, you know, who are buying that, those quite a large properties, there's still a benefit because we can, you know, we can, the, the, the benefits we can generate are in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Absolutely. And, and uh, certainly if you take it over the, you know, the first, those first five years, like we talked about, it's really literally hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, and as Yona mentioned, you know, the, when you're talking, uh, uh, the price of the service itself is in the neighborhood of $5,000, give or take, depending on how complicated, that's an amazing return on that investment. Mm. On, you know, you're investing yeah. four or five, six, whatever it is, thousand dollars for the study itself. And the returns generated in depreciation are gigantic. And one, one of the interesting things about the pricing of our service is different from other real estate services, which might save taxes, we don't charge as a percentage of the benefit. We are a fixed mm -hmm. fee-based wow. uh, service. And the IRS likes that. The, the, the Internal Revenue Service has specific guidelines on cost segregation, on how to audit cost segregation, and we, we adhere to those guidelines. So okay, okay. that means, you know, one of the things is, does somebody go out and actually walk the property? Somebody qualified? Mm -hmm. So the answer is yes. We have engineers who, they don't just understand engineering and construction, they understand tax law. So they're trained to identify from a tax perspective what is five-year property, what is 15-year property. So those are qualified guys who go out and visit the property, which is a real cornerstone element to the process. Secondly, um, it's like we get paid in a sense that once the client moves forward, we get paid whether we generate $150,000 of additional depreciation or $400,000. So the IRS likes seeing that the person, you know, first of all, it's an outside third party preparing the report. And secondly, the outside third party doesn't have a stake in the results. So it makes it much more valuable if the, if the cost segregation is ever uh, challenged by a taxing authority, be the Internal Revenue Service or a state tax or whoever, that, okay, yeah, it's almost like an appraisal. You had an outside expert come in who understands real estate, yeah. understands taxes, doesn't have a piece of the deal, that goes a long way in, you know, get in, in getting your cost segregation unchallenged by this and even if they ever look at it. 
So I have two questions that might be on the listener's mind. And Yona, I want you to ask the answer. The first one, which is just uh, why wouldn't my, my CPA be telling me about this? And then after that, I just want to ask Chuck if this is going to raise any red flags with the IRS. And I get that question all the time, which is a legitimate question. Hey, I own real estate. I'm depreciating my property. Why am I not doing accelerated depreciation? It sounds too good to be true. So the short answer and the long answer, the short answer is like this. Not a CPA does not mean that he's a real estate savvy CPA. Okay. And we have a lot of clients who they're business owners and their, their accountant is a business CPA and he know, knows what depreciation is, fills out the, the K-1s, fills out the tax returns, but you know, is not qualified, first of all, not a qualified engineer to go ahead and do the study himself and may not you know, realize the benefits from lack of experience. And, and that's, you know, it's perfectly fine. Not every accountant is meant to be specialized in every single area. So okay. that's the, that's the short answer. Why, okay. uh, <laughs> maybe the awesome. long answer will be for the next podcast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So yeah. What, is there any red flags with the IRS, Chuck? No, it's actually a very accepted method. Uh, it's basically what they call a depreciation change. There's, there's a specific form and, and no, it doesn't raise a red flag. And there's a couple of different methods of doing it, um, whether you're doing it in the, in the, you know, one of the interesting benefits of cost segregation is that, do I have to do it in the year I purchased the property? Okay. That's a good question. So the short answer is no. Okay. So let's say I, you bought a property in 2014 or 2015, and now, you know, Yona or I are talking about cost segregation. You're like, oh man, you know, too bad if I'd have known about it. I have done it, but the ship has sailed. Well, the answer is the ship hasn't sailed. And we can go back and to, you know, let's say you bought this property in 2014 and you've taken now, you know, four years, 14, 15, you know, 14, 15, 16, you've taken three years of depreciation on it. We can go back and say, hey, have we done the cost segregation study when you purchased it? This is the way the assets would have came out. Uh, and what would the depreciation have been over these three years versus what we took and get a big, large deduction. And, you know, so the answer is even that situation doesn't really raise a red flag because the IRS has a whole procedure for doing this. They have a certain form, you don't have to amend returns. Um, and so, that, you know, if you're doing it in year of purchase, you know, certainly not just an allocation, but anytime there's an allocation, the IRS may ask about it. Right. And the way we cover the risk is by having our cost segregation study. Because okay. what the IRS doesn't want, the, red, the big red flag for the IRS is, how did you come up with your numbers? You okay. know, how did you come up with your five year? And you know, what they don't want to see is there was some guy in a room who never has even seen this property, doesn't understand costs, understand that. And he's in a sense that I use the term, you know, he's throwing darts at a wall trying to guess. That's what they yeah. don't want. So if you got this you know, if you have your cost segregation study ready and you've got your numbers validated, that will get you through the, uh, the IRS challenge process. Awesome. Thank you so much. We're going to take a short break. And uh, so we'll be right back. This episode of the Creative Real Estate Podcast is brought to you by both you and brought to you by the show itself. And we just wanted to say thank you, Jason. And I really appreciate having you as a listener. And we have an ask. We've got a quick ask. If you have uh, been listening to the show for a little while, you love the show and you haven't taken the time to leave a rating and a review, 
I just wanted to ask to see if you wouldn't mind uh, going into iTunes and doing a written review as well as a rating. Um, so that's our only ask. Let's get back to the show. And we're back with Yona Wise and Chuck Tober, and we've just been talking about how it's not going to raise red flags. It is legal. Um, but what I want to ask now is, what happens if there is an audit? A yeah. revenue service or a state tax authority audits, you know, if a person's getting audited, it, it, you know, a person get audited for any reason. If, the, uh, if they challenge the cost segregation study or the asset allocations, you know, our uh, policy is we will represent uh, the client in the audit on anything related to the cost so they get no additional cost above the fees. Um, okay. So if, if he's got other stuff going on as tax return, I can't get involved in that, but only anything really, you know, any related to the work we do, we stand behind and we will, uh, we will go to an audit and we will work on that. And just, you know, our track record is, is, is uh, frankly excellent on this. Um, we've had in the last, uh, in the last, I don't know, maybe five, six years, literally a handful, I think maybe five, you know, less than one a year, but maybe five or six, you okay. know, challenges on the cost seg. And so far, all of them have received a no change from the Internal Revenue Service. So wow. they said, great, we, we appreciate it. And yeah, that, that's what we want to see. Yeah. Uh, we, actually just, we actually just had one with a client who had a couple of problems. They're getting examined for something else. Once the examiner got in there, he saw the depreciation, one looked at the cost seg, and the client said, okay, well, they're looking at it, you know, are you guys going to be available? We said, of course, let us know. They handed the report, and the auditor basically looked at the report, went through, and said, great, this is all I need. And we didn't even have to get involved in the audit. So okay. you know, we have a great track record, and we stand behind our work. So it sounds like what you're saying is if it costs only maybe five grand up front to get the cost segregation study, and you're making all this extra money, you're keeping all this extra money, I guess is the best way to say it. Um, when there is a IRS, uh, that comes in and does an audit, it's the, the rest of the cost comes out of your company. You're, so you're saying I pay the five grand and then I won't have to pay anything else for attorney's fees later. You pay that. Is that right? Yeah. That's part of our service. That's wow. part of the service we provide is wow. not charge additional fees in the event of its challenge. Wow. Thank you. And if there is a listener and I'm sure there is, there's a listener, they're hearing that cost segregation saves a bunch of money that you're going to have to pay those taxes and recapture anyway, that it's, there's no, not going to be any red flags. It is legal. And if there ever is an issue, your company is going to be paying for everything well, if they're listening and they're saying, I need to figure out a company to go with, can you share with them a little bit about what makes your company stand out from some of the other competition? We are in all 50 states. We've done over 10,000 studies uh, over the last uh, 12 years. And we have engineers you know, placed specific locations across the state so that they can reach every location possible. Um, like Chuck said, we go into every property um, on tour. Um, wow. that's a couple things that make us different. Our service is second to none. As Chuck mentioned, the extra service in the case of an audit, we're there for you. Our turnaround time is quick. You know, I had a client a few weeks ago who was, you know, cha challenging, uh, you know, our proposal versus another firm's proposal as many do. And, and he came back to me and said, Yona, you know what? Can you get this done 
when I go meet my CPA in a, in a month's time from now? And I said, yes. He's like, okay, let's do it. And okay. that's really what it comes down to. You know, a lot of times it's, it's the fees and our fees are, are very competitive out there. Um, you know, I wouldn't say second to none, but we're pretty competitive. And, um, you know, the turnaround time. And that's what people look for. They look for the credibility. They look for, you know, a low price. Because in the end of the day, I could choose from 10 different companies doing this. Why should I choose you? A lot of people are just going to go for the lower price. And, and, and we, uh, you know, we can go. That's not what we're all about, but it helps. Awesome. Awesome. So, Anything to uh, add there, Chuck? No, I think, you know, I mean, I think, you know, again, that we do have uh, engineers on staff. Uh, that are specifically trained. We, you know, we have uh, production teams that get the reports out quick. They're reviewed, you know, all the reports are reviewed by CPAs. So it, it's it's literally from the minute the deal is signed with the client to the minute the report is turned around. You got a person who specializes in that in that function working on your cost segregation study. All right, we talked about how cost segregation can increase your cash flow. We talked about how you can start at any time within, you know, when you first buy it with, or several years after you've purchased it. But I want to ask you, when is the best time to even start the cost seg study? Like, I guess what I'm saying is you can start at any time, but when is the best time? I think the best time is when you need the depreciation expense. Okay. So, you know, if you're, if you're at a property that's running you at a loss the additional depreciation may not benefit as you as much. So, you know, a lot of guys are in what they call the, you know, they want to add value to the situation. They come mm -hmm. in, if something's not doing well, and they'll maybe remodel or they'll, they'll retenant up or they'll do something, what they call add value. So at the moment when they're purchasing it, the exist you, you touched on this before, is there existing cash flow? There may not be much cash flow there. And it might take them a year or two to turn the property around and reposition the asset the way they want it to be. Once that happens, then there's you know all kinds of income coming in. There's taxability of that income. So it could be that maybe one you know w w as soon as that asset is repositioned, you know maybe it's six months or maybe it's a year or maybe it's two tax or whatever that might be, that might be the most opportune time mm -hmm. to do it because number one you get that catch up in depreciation, so you get a you can get a nice deduction in that first year, and you're benefiting immediately. Um, you're benefiting immediately when you really need it the most, when you're generating the income. Because you don't want to create, especially with, and I don't know if you want to, where you want to go with this, especially with some of the um, limitations now in lost carry forwards based on the new tax act, <laughs> you know, you, you've got to be a little more strategic in your depreciation tax planning. So I, I you know, my, I get my initial answer is what I say is basically when you need it, when you start having a lot of taxable income is when you should be generating something that's generating a large uh, tax expense. So I want to, ask you theoretically if i purchased a property that was negative cash flowing there was a renter or a tenant um a resident that was paying paying uh, the lease but my costs were not being covered i was negative cash flowing mm -hmm. is it true that i would be through a cost segregation study is it is it true theoretically that i could go from a negative cash flow to a positive cash flow it, it really depends on what else you've got going on. You know, if all you had was that building and nothing else, probably not. But let's say you have other properties 
And if you're, you know, maybe this one's negative, but you might have another one that's really positive. You know, then you, then depending on how you're structured, there's, you know, there's, okay. you have to get a little bit more involved, but you might be able to offset it against other okay. real estate income okay. that you have. So there could be some benefits there. Makes sense. So you're saying it, it, it could give you that, um, that extra money and, uh, but it, it just depends. So let me ask you a question, just out, out of all the cost egg studies that you've done out there, what is maybe one of the biggest ones that you've ever done? I know we did uh, um, a large Amazon distribution center, a million square foot uh, distribution center wow. in Florida last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did the Chase Tower 50-something story building out in uh, Dallas. Those are, you know, some pretty big properties. Yeah, we've done some big Manhattan properties as well. I think we've done some assets that are approaching a billion dollars. Yona, it's good to point out that um, companies like Amazon and Chase, um, they're, they're doing these things on their buildings. You're right. A lot of the big companies, you know, they know what they're doing. They're taking care of it. You know, the billion dollar companies, the organizations that are in real estate for many, many, many years, decades, they, they know it. They're doing it. It's not a, uh, a new insight for them. It's really wow. the people who are listening to your podcast who are new and aspiring real estate investors who have no idea what this is about. And they're like, is it legit? Is it not? Is it real? Is it audit? Am I red flags? Am I not? My CPA is not telling me, hey, just look around and, and look at the big companies. Look at the big investors. They're all taking advantage of this. You should too. Chuck, as this is the Creative Real Estate Podcast, I want you to talk about a creative or interesting cost segregation study that you've done. Well, we've had a couple of really interesting examples, and what we've done is kind of turned it into a pattern. And what I mean by that is we've had really a lot of success in what they call skilled nursing facilities or nursing home type properties. Um, and what I mean by that, so it's it's a company comes in and buy, they don't just buy the property, they're also operating the business. And when you're operating the business, there's all kinds of five-year kind of property. There's beds and there's, you know, cabinets and there's machines, there's all kinds of machinery. So we, we see a really high benefit in those things. I think where else you get creative is in the type of asset themselves. And the, you know, one one that I'm always fascinated by is just something as stupid as floor tiles. Because floor tile, you, know, you can take, again, you, know, so you have a building that's a million square feet. Well, each square foot has a value if there's a floor tile on it. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a, you know, one of the things that you have to look at is how is that floor tile fastened? Is it fixed with glue? Is it more of a floating? Is it more connected but not glued down? And as silly as some of this stuff sounds, those could trigger, the answers to those questions could trigger separating what's a structural asset to a, to a five-year asset. And a lot, you know, wood, you know, hardwood with floors, all those kind of stuff. It's not just the asset, it's the engineering of the asset. How is it held down? Is it nailed down? Is it just placed down? Is it glued down? And once you kind of get the answers to those questions, then you take it, okay, now I'm going to apply this to the next thousand studies I'm going to do. So we take what's creative and exciting at the beginning and we're able to, you know, uh, systemize it in a way that we can mass market it and mass use it and really not just be creative for one client, but be creative for all the clients that we work with. Wow. That's incredible, guys. Thank you so much for your time today. How do people reach out to you? If they want to, if they want to use your company or pick your brain, how do they find you guys? 
Yeah, sure. Well, you reached out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, that's a great way to find me. There, I don't think there are any other Yona Weisses, uh, definitely none that look like me on LinkedIn. <laughs> so, so you can find me. Um, He's the one with the really cool hair. hair. <laughs> <laughs> the big beard. Um, so, yeah, you can reach me there. That's a great way to find me. Um, you know, you put me my email address, my phone number in the, um, you know, in the link on the website uh, for people who want to reach out to me. And um, that's great. Our website, madisonspecs.com, is great. It's still a little bit under construction. Uh, so a personal touch is a better touch. Okay. And, and, I, and I'll definitely put in uh, Madison uh, Specs in our show notes for today as well. Uh, Chuck, is there anything you want to add? No, just that, you know, again, reach out to Yona. He's, you know, he's the guy and he initiates all of our, you know, a lot of our client contacts and, you know, he quarterbacks the deal. So he, you know, here's the time to bring in the engineer. Here's the time to bring the CPA. Here's, you know, he really quarterbacks it. So he can, uh, he can answer any questions that anybody might have and whatever he can't answer. He's got a team behind him to help him answer whatever the client might need. So as we wrap up today's show, I just want to thank you both, uh, Yona and Chuck, for coming on the show, for adding so much value, teaching us you know, the ins and outs of what cost segregation is, how it works, what to look for, what, um, how much money you can save, which is awesome. I will also point out how versatile it is because you can use it with assisted living. You can use it with a, apartment buildings um, like I own. You can use it on on even single family houses. You can use it on uh, so many different types of real estate asset classes out there. Um, so it's, re it's really good. I hope that the listener is able to reach out to you. I'm going to put all of your contact information in the show notes. I'm going to make sure that they have it. I really appreciate you guys coming on the show. So until next time, think outside the box. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and a review. We really, really appreciate it. I'm going to let you go. But until next time, think outside the box.